Hey everybody, it's good to be back on another episode of Pixels and Ink here where we are really getting deeply into omni-channel marketing and specifically how direct mail can work with other digital channels to drive the results that your clients are looking for. And I just got off what we're calling the Sales Power Hour. This is a new series that we've launched where we're bringing together industry experts to help you understand how to transform your business and your sales strategy. The idea behind this session is that, you know, this stuff can be difficult. Solution sales, understanding how to wrap more around the direct mail that you're providing to your clients and really drive value, it's not necessarily easy, right? And so the idea behind these sessions, which you're gonna hear in just a moment, is to bring you industry experts who are doing this day in and day out and who can help you understand how you can improve your solution sales skills as an individual or if you run an organization or a sales team, how your staff, how your folks can lean into solution selling. So who you're gonna hear from, of course, you're gonna hear from me here in just a moment, but you're also going to hear from Bill Gillespie. He's one of our sales coaches here at Mindfire. He's been in the industry for 47 years. I'll let you hear from him about his background in solution selling. And Peter Omquist, he's over at Advantage Color Graphics. They're a $176 million print organization, actually here in my backyard in Southern California. And you're gonna hear from Pete how he is coaching his 50 plus sales team, 50 plus meaning more than 50 people, not 50 years or older, but he's got a sales team of 51 people, how he's helping those folks lean into solution selling, selling direct mail and adding value by offering omni-channel solutions. I don't think you wanna miss this one, folks. So buckle up, get ready, here we go. I'm really excited to be with all of you today because the session that we're doing here is going to be different from those that we've recently held. So Peter is the Senior Vice President at Advantage Color Graphics. You're probably gonna hear us refer to that as ACG during the conversation today. That might come up a few times. They're a $176 million business. And Peter's role there is to focus on strategic growth and to lead the sales team. And one way or another, Pete, maybe you can tell that story. He's navigating almost 30 years, if you can believe it, with ACG. He was born and raised in Sweden. He came to the United States as a foreign exchange student to learn the language. He says he quickly acclimated here and uh, we were never able to get rid of him. So <laughs> we're stuck with him. He's now my neighbor here in Southern California, where if he's not working on selling more direct mail to brands, he's with his three kids and his wife. He also jokes that when he's not chasing meatballs at Ikea, <laughs> you'll find him and his crew hiking in the outdoors and playing golf. So Peter, thank you for being here with us today. How are you, my man? Great, great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Wow, what an introduction. Super excited to be on here. And, and yes, you couldn't get rid of me. And uh, my, my staff and my team, you know, we have a lot of fun with that. We, we're such a diverse group. And so we, we always poke fun at each other with stuff like that. So super excited to be here. I'm part of the team. You know, we're building something very special. Our industry is in transformation right now in general, moving away from commodity-based print styles to really selling multi-omni solutions across the board. So it, it, yep. it's never been more exciting to be in sales as it is now because you have so many tools to use in your tool bag. So looking forward to exploring that with the team today. Fantastic, man. I really appreciate that. And Mindfire team, please drop Pete's, Peter's 
a LinkedIn profile here in Zoom. And over there, if you're on LinkedIn, Ferris is going to tag him in a comment. And please take a moment to connect with him so that you can continue the dialogue after the event today. Also with us, I'm going over to the left side of the screen now, is Bill Gillespie, who's been in the printing business for 47 years. Previously, he was the Chief Operating Officer of National Color Graphics and Executive Vice President of Brown Industries. He's worked with a number of flagship brands. We've got Apple, Microsoft, Coca-Cola, American Express, Nike, MGM, Home Depot, Berkshire Hathaway, just a, an incredible array of enterprise accounts that he has worked with over his 47 years in print. Personally, he's sold over 100 million in print himself, and he's managed sales teams approaching a billion in, in sales, in print sales. Now he focuses his energy on helping folks like all of you here in this room understand how to sell solutions. And I know Bill would say that if he can do it, so can you. Bill, how are you this morning? Dave, I'm doing great, and I'm super excited to be here. I absolutely love this industry, and I have to echo what Pete said. There's more to sell now than there has ever been. I love to think about the possibilities that would have existed if some of these tools were available when I started my sales career in 1978. So anyway, super, super excited. Love the business, love the technologies, love the people that do it. And I echo what you said earlier. It's the most noble profession anybody can bite off. Well, team, please drop Bill's LinkedIn information there in Zoom and over on LinkedIn. I think you're going to get tagged there, Bill. Make you some new connections. And please, folks, connect with these two. Before I forget, I want, to, I want to give you a little bribe here to stay to the end of the session today. We're going to be giving away, if you're here at the end, I'm going to have my team look through the roster and see who's still here, a one-hour private training on how you can use AI, artificial intelligence, in your business. Have you thought about how it's going to change your work? You probably have had some thoughts around this, but maybe aren't sure, like, how is it actually going to impact your work? How is it going to impact direct mail? Maybe you haven't seen any hands-on examples, practical ways that you can use AI. If that's you, we're going to be doing a private session. If you stay here to the end, we're going to do a drawing, see who that is, and we will train you and your team to give you some real practical examples around how you can use AI to change the work that you do. And folks, if you're scared of it, if you think, hey, that's for someone else, or I don't even know where to begin, I, I assure you, you got to know what's coming. The tools are here now, and I want to make sure that we help you navigate that changing landscape. So make sure you stay here to the end. Now, before I start peppering the panel here with questions, I want to clarify why this topic is important to us here at MindFire. We are the direct mail omnichannel platform technology, right? So why does training print salespeople matter to us? Matter to us? The reason this is important is because we see that your enterprise clients, your brands that you service, are requiring this of you, their service providers. And increasingly, you got to know how to sell a solution because it matters to your clients. Does anybody resonate with that? Let me know in the chat if that's resonating with you. Yes, we are a technology company, but having great technology in your hands isn't enough. And we've realized that to help you sell more and to sell more effectively, we needed to invest heavily in helping you learn solution sales. In fact, we recently created a new program. I'll talk about it here in just a moment called the Concierge Partner Program that helps 
direct mail printers sell false solutions, not just print. I'll tell you more in a second on that. But here's what we have found in this process. I'm gonna list a few inhibitors that we hear you facing in helping yourself or helping your sales teams sell solutions. What I want you to do is I've numbered them here on the slide. I want you to drop the number or numbers that resonate with you with respect to what's kept you, your organization, your team from selling solutions. One thing could be having a legacy sales team. Anybody resonate with that? Where are my legacy sales folks or those who have legacy sales teams? Drop a one in the chat if that's you. Second thing we hear, not having enough training or coaching, right? Not being trained or providing the coaching to be able to support our reps in making this transition. Third, it can be scary to bring new ideas to the table, right? If you're not a digital native, or even if you are and you're just like, hey, there's just so much coming at me right now. How do I stay on top of it? It can be scary. Who resonates with number three? Number four, maybe you have print reps that take orders and haven't introduced anything new to their clients in years. So all of this is new and again, like I said a moment ago, scary. That would be number four. The other thing we're hearing is that it's tough because you don't have a subject matter expert on your staff, right? A question comes in, sales rep is like, I don't know. And you don't have anybody in-house to go to to ask that question to. Anybody resonate with number five? Number six, some folks start, some folks try, some organizations take a step and find that, you know what, it's hard. And they give up too easily instead of driving that adoption in a systematic way. Anybody resonate with number six? And then number seven, Heck, even if you're confident in saying yes to your clients and are able to articulate a solution, no one's sitting around twiddling their thumbs ready to build these solutions, right? Maybe you don't have the bandwidth internally within your organization to implement from an operational perspective. Who, who resonates with seven? I see Matt saying four and seven for sure. I see a bunch of sevens here. I want to know over there in LinkedIn land, please, which one of these resonates with you? Bob says four <laughs> with a cursing symbol there and six so four and six yep all right i see a lot of sixes i see sevens keep dropping those numbers in there folks it's really interesting for us to see them tyler says pretty much six out of seven of them tyler it's good to see you my man so this is why we designed the concierge partner program which i mentioned a second ago it's what helps our partners navigate the process of committing to growing their direct mail business from start to finish with a major emphasis on helping your sales teams understand how to sell full omni-channel solutions. I'm not gonna go into all the details here, but the point that I wanna leave you with is that we understand this is a journey and that we have created a roadmap, step-by-step -step roadmap, milestone by a milestone to help your organization if you're committed to growing your business, to growing your direct mail business, to help your leadership team, your sales teams, your operational folks, your CSRs, everyone transform your organization because we know, let's be honest, this isn't easy. But it's also not impossible. You just need to know what you're doing and you need the right partner and that's where MindFire comes in. Those are the business reasons. But for us, this goes deeper. And I'm gonna start pulling questions and answers out of the panel here. I wanna share this with you. This came in from Lita Wood. Lita doesn't know that I'm sharing this. Lita oversees, oversees here at MindFire all of client services. A few minutes before this event, she texted a bunch of us. I just want to read to you what she said, and then we're going to jump into your questions here. She said, okay, I'm getting sentimental about today. The webinar is not about MindFire. 
which is absolutely the case, folks. It's about helping literally hundreds of printers and sales teams that are trying to do the right thing for their clients, keep their shops churning, and their employees' families taken care of. That's ultimately what this is about when we invest in you, helping you understand how to do this. If we focus on making a difference in the industry, everybody wins. So here I had to make my little dad joke. Now my makeup is going to run, <laughs> right? But this isn't a laughing matter. This is serious. That's why we're doing what we're doing here. Enough of me. I want to move on to the heart of the questions here and start to peel back the layers so we can start to help everybody here in the room. All of those inhibitors that we listed there are all basically around this idea of how difficult it can be to sell a solution versus just print, right? So, Bill, I'm going to come to you first. You ready? I'm ready. All right, man. You've made an entire career out of selling solutions versus just print, and I want you to tell us more about that. And because I know the audience here loves specific examples, I want you to give a specific example of where you were able to navigate the just selling print, I'll put that in quotes, to providing an entire solution. One of the best examples I can give you is that the owner of a company I was working for came to me and shared an opportunity one of our legacy reps had with a finance company. This place had several hundred locations and we were being asked about setting up a digital storefront to manage envelope production so that the branches could order envelopes on demand. And so the, the owner was confident there was more opportunity there. So we went to see the client and I, I went along, I prepared a presentation. I did some research on the client first, prepared a presentation. And as the group that we, we met with two people and it was a very disappointing start to the meeting. And as we shared the stories of what were possible. And I made sure we talked about things I suspected they would be interested in. The uh, person that arranged the meeting started texting other stakeholders in the organization. And so the meeting turned into four attendees and then it turned into six. And before we were done, it was a dozen. And what we discovered is what we already suspected is that there were lots of pockets of spending in this financing organization. And so we ended up with point of sale. We ended up with 15,000 square foot of storage accommodation for these guys. We ended up with all sorts of collateral. We moved some printed pieces to virtual inventory where we, uh, man because we got control of the data, we, we understood what their consumption was better than they did. And we were able to suggest things to move to digital solutions versus offset solutions. And we, we actually... In that company, I'm not with them anymore, but the company actually still manages several million dollars a year worth of collateral envelopes, which is what we went there originally for, point of sale, statement enclosures, all manner of things for this financing organization. Very, very successful switch from a, a bid on a storefront and envelopes to an end-to-end -end solution for this client. So a $20,000 sales call, envelope sales call, turned into $2 million in print? Is that, is that $20,000 a year that we were expecting turned into $2 million a year that we enjoyed. That relationship okay. is about nine years old now, so you can do the math. It's, yes, it's been very, absolutely. very beneficial to that company. Absolutely. I see a, a, a good comment here. Chris, thank you for that. That, you know, in addition to the coaching or that 
you know, for you, what's important is what are people doing to separate themselves from other salespeople? I'm going to be pulling that out of Bill and, and Pete here just momentarily. So hang tight on that. Pete, I want to go to you. Uh, first question for you. How many sales reps do you oversee? We are just one over 50 right now. We became 51 yesterday. 51 yesterday. Okay. So tell us then, first question, how do you motivate this team of now 51 to sell full solutions versus just commodity print? Well, you know, it's a great question, Dave. It, it's, you kind of have to be a little bit of a sales a salesperson whisperer to some degree, jokingly, but uh, it, 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 there's not a one size fits all when leading a big team. And I think, you know, Bill has, has brought this up in the past as well as you, you got to be able to develop customer centric selling skills with these folks. And I think that's the biggest transformation. I think that, you know, legacy sales reps don't like to be called legacy because for one, they, they say, oh, that makes me feel like I'm 100 years old and I've been doing this for 60 and so, but, but the taking the traditional print sales rep who's been selling ink on paper in a very commodity style, even, even though they're very crafted and skilled at what they do and they offer a lot of great solutions when it comes to producing a really pretty printed piece, whether it mails or not, nowadays embracing the technology to really open up their minds and really thinking about the solution of the client rather than taking down specs. And, and doing so, you know, it's, it's really, I think one of the key factors in motivating Dave is to provide comprehensive training. And, and I will mm. say just as a kudos to the concierge program that uh, the Mindfire team brings to the table is phenomenal because having a big team of, of 50 sales reps, a one-man show to train somebody to in this transformative technology, I couldn't do it by myself. So yeah. it, it, it's, the team is there. And I think the biggest thing for me is that, the message to the team is, especially on the legacy side, we have a lot of legacy reps that have been very successful, is that you don't have to be your own subject matter expert in selling these solutions. Mm. I think that is really, really key for us. And that knowing that they have a full support and, and really me being able to foster a collaborative culture is, is key. It, it really is. Okay. And, and the help of mind fire that is, is phenomenal because I, I couldn't do it all by myself. So folks in the audience here in Zoom and LinkedIn, I want your questions for Peter on what he just said now and anytime here in the time that we're together, okay? So if you have a question about what he said or if something stood out to you, I wanna make sure that you tell us that here both on LinkedIn and Zoom. Peter, I'm gonna come back to you for a follow-up question here on this idea of selling solutions. So, you know, the, the general perception is that commodity print is commoditized in terms of pricing. How do you keep the prices, let's call them high or higher to match the value versus following, falling to that commodity level? That's, that's a great question. And, and I think in the kind of collaborative selling and really solution selling space, the beauty of it is that it takes you away from just simply looking at a group of, of, of metrics in a spec sheet and submitting something. I mean, that we've all been there over the years. Now you're really bringing a solution with some particular value. And I think, you know, for sales teams, many times, especially legacy teams, you, you for, overlook the value of your proposition many, many times. And you focus on, oh, well, we have eight color presses or well, we have the fastest inserts on the West Coast or we can lay down multicolor 
PQR codes on our heat set webs. They love to talk technology. And I think that's the biggest thing is once you get into the value selling element, then really price becomes less and less important. And I will say this as maybe a little added thing on how do you keep prices high? I think the other one is just a little maybe 20 second anecdote here. You know, years ago we were invited to a big uh, presentation in New York for a big agency, multi-country multi agency. And the opportunity was enormous for us. And, and it was it involved uh, some of our immersive technologies. There was a CGI element in there. We did virtual reality. There was also augmented reality in there and a ton of retouching solutions, which we had at the time in, uh, under a former ownership, right? And so we went in there and, and we actually presented, we made it to the short list from 20 down to three. And we mm. were shortlisted and we lost the opportunity because we were too cheap. And it was one of the few times where the perceived value that was out there is that we leveraged some of our multinational partners overseas and we had a great solution and we were already, already implementing it, but we were actually too cheap. So the reason I wanted to bring that up is that in this technology selling, a lot of the legacy sales reps, they like, well, let's give stuff away for free. How low can I go? And in reality of it is, you get so much more sticky with these value propositions and these selling solutions that, that you'll go over here more in, in this call that you don't have to focus on, on dropping your price, but rather create good value with your propositions. And then therefore you don't have to worry about having to worry about what, how low can I go? Peter, take us into that room or onto that Zoom call or, or whatever it was where you got that feedback from the stakeholder on the other side. How did they deliver that message to you that, Peter, I'm sorry, you didn't get the business, you were too cheap. How did they actually position that to you? Yeah, this was actually, that's a great question. We, we were actually in person. This was uh, long before COVID. And we okay. were presenting, there was three of us that made the shortlist and got to be in their corporate office in New York. And and it was, you know, we didn't find out until about a week later. And and we didn't lose the entire opportunity. We're, we're still to this day, uh, you know, a vendor of them. We just didn't win this big particular program. And uh, it, it really came down to that is that they said, hey, look, the, the perception, and it was a big group there. It was a, a big contingency of overseas folks in there as well. And the perception there was that how can you do it for almost half of what the other two finalists are, are doing? Wow. And, and there was really clearly at the time, we as a collaborative team and, and, and the sales rep on the team, we clearly didn't deliver enough value and walked them through the proposition of why we could do it and why we should continue to do it. And we learned a hard lesson. I mean, we're, we're all humans and uh, yep. we moved on and, 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 and now it's, it's a great little tale that we tell internally, even to new reps that come on board that, that you sure. know, not about going low. How many of you here in zoom or on LinkedIn have had that same experience where you've heard back from your potential client or client that you were too cheap. Let us know, in the chat. I want to know how many others echo what Pete just shared there, there with us. Peter, I'm going to come back to you and then I'm going to hit you, hit you, Bill, with a question here. Let me think how to frame this. I think the way I, I'm thinking about solution selling, my simplistic example is that solution selling is someone who can solve problems. Solution selling is about solving problems. Peter, for you first, do you agree with that simple definition and if you do or if you don't, give us some context around that. Would you add more to that around what it means to you and your organization and your team to be a solution salesperson? Yeah, that's great. I mean, I do agree with that. I, I think it is definitely if you were going to drill it down to that simple factor, but not, not to steal too much from Bill here. But I, I think 
maybe to add to that a little bit, I, I think the couple of more things is that you have to have that customer focus. You got to have value creation in there. The consultative approach is a must. You got to do that. Relationship building and collaborative problem solving. I mean, these are all factors that go into it. So I like how you summarized it into one little snippet, but I'll let Bill kind of unfold that a little bit more. But that's what it means to us. It just means, you know, you got to continue to do it. And lastly, continuous learning. I think that's super important to be to be on the consultative, you know, solution selling side. Chris, I see you saying here in the chat that authenticity is also an important ingredient to solution sales. Bill, let's have you expand on that idea. What does it mean to you with your 47-year you know, look over the industry? How would you define the term solution selling? I, I would define it the way you did. What I would say is, as a sales rep, pay attention to what they're buying. They're, 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 they're buying stuff for a reason. They're trying to accomplish an outcome. And, and they're buying more than they're talking to you about at that specific moment. And if you, if you ask questions about what's driving the commerce in the first place, and if you spend time collecting that data that you learn from those aggregate conversations, you'll see patterns that provide opportunities for you to solve problems that aren't a part of specifications that are coming to you on a spreadsheet. If you're responding to a bid request, the hard decisions have already been made. Somebody's decided what to print. All, all of the stuff that drove the commerce in the first place has already been, dis been discussed and debated upstream. And that's where you want to get connected. That's where the opportunity for you to really design solutions is. It's above the bid process. Got it. Folks, you have any questions for Bill or Peter? Keep those coming in. We will make sure to get to as many of them as possible here as we get into more of the interactive q a i'm going to talk now about this legacy sales moniker and i know that this hits everyone differently some people are like yep i know i'm legacy others are like i'm not legacy what are you talking about so put the feelings aside for a moment i want to dig into this idea here with both pete and bill pete i'm going to start with you you mentioned your team has a mix of experiences i'm sure all sorts of experiences and backgrounds with the team of, of 51. Bill, I'm sure you've encountered in your career all sorts of different types of people. But what I hear from this group is that it's difficult for legacy salespeople, if I could use that term, to make the shift to selling solutions. Bill, I'll go back to you here. What's been your experience on that? Do you agree with that? I, I, I do, but if you pay attention to your sales staff, there's, there's typically an advocate. There's a, there's a, I wouldn't call it a weak spot. There's a soft spot. There's, there's a sensitive person that wants to make a difference and wants to move into that space. He wants to be somebody that'll embrace the technology or the, the, the solution or the, 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 the new investment that you've made. And, and, and you can call that person aside and you can spend some time coaching with them and talking about how to sell the the, the, the better solution, the better idea. You can, you can make calls with them, if you will. What, once you get some success with a rep, others learn from that rep quicker than mm. they learn from you, if that makes any sense. It's, sure. I like to use the example. By, I tried to teach my daughter how to ride a bicycle all week long, and the neighborhood kid taught her in about 15 minutes. And it's the same thing with sales reps. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the that's same so thing. True. They really will teach, other, teach each other if you can get somebody on board. Yes. Yeah. So, hey, let me ask the audience here, LinkedIn and Zoom, before I come to Peter on this question, 
if you're in the situation where you're like, okay, I could be called legacy. I've, I've been doing things a certain way, but I'm ready to change. What Bill just said is, that's me. I'm, I'm ready to invest in myself. Drop the word me in the chat. Just drop the word me here in Zoom or over there on LinkedIn. I want to know who's feeling that they're ready for that change. Peter, I'm going to come to you. Same question. With respect to the legacy salespeople on your staff, the folks that you've worked with, again, I know that it's difficult. What's been your experience around getting someone to go from where they are to being comfortable with selling a solution? Yeah, that's great. I'll echo a little bit of what Bill said there. Just with a little short story, I sat in a sales meeting years ago, probably well over 10 years ago now, and and they used the same anecdote about, you know, the weakest link, right? And they showed a guy pulled up a a National Geographic video of the animals being chased, a herd of a llama or whatever they were. And <laughs> don't yeah. be the last guy in that herd that gets eaten <laughs> by a lion, right? And so right. It, it's kind of true. You know, the, the the saying is with the legacy folks that, that I've, had, I've coached in, in recent years, we've had a really great success rate. And I think a lot of it goes is that I try to emphasize a customer-centric mindset with these guys. And and taking the fear, again, of not having to be the subject matter expert. A lot of legacy sales rep, they struggle maybe with the technology a little bit. They, they, they need guidance and counseling on those things. And it, and it come a really long way. But I think, you know, they're really not only just due to the age thing and the challenges with technology. I think it's the fundamental difference with the traditional and solution selling is, is to focus and understand on addressing those customer needs that Bill was talking about. You know, there's a reason mm-hmm. why they're asking for something and being able to understand the customer's pain points, you know, rather than focusing on what technology solution you can throw at them. I think that's really great. And, and, and in general, I just jotted out a couple of notes about coaching tips for, for a variety of, of legacy reps and people that really want to sell into. And, and I, and I, a couple of things that I wrote down here, I encourage active listening, right? And, and I think that's one of the biggest factors that people fall short on is in, in sales is that we don't listen and ask probing questions enough to really uncover what's the real underlying issue that they're facing. You know, uh, how can you tailor something specific to them that they're trying to oversee? What is their pain point that, that you really are trying to get to rather than just the marketing person telling you, oh, I need to push out more mail. And I think sure. that's something. The other thing is, I think it's important is, is to foster empathy. I think that's a big one. You know, you have to help the salesperson put themselves in the customer's shoes, shoes to really better understand, you know, what, what is the perspective and the challenge that they're experiencing? And sometimes you can turn that around by saying, okay, let's role play on this. You be the customer. You know, what do you think? It, what, what, what do you think their real issue is in this? And lastly, you know, highlighting long-term relationships, I think is super you know, build the importance of building strong relationships. We all know it's who you know, and rather than what you can offer and throw at them. And I think that is really something that nurturing those relationships will really help you in, in the long term there in, in this focus. There were a few people here in the chat. I want to commend Terry and April and, and others who said that they would put themselves in that camp of, hey, I realize I've got the legacy experience, but I know that I want to move to the next level, to the next step here. Terry, April, thank you for being brave there. Now is your opportunity, Terry, April, and everyone else, be selfish. What I mean by that is ask the questions that you want to know, the questions that are specific to your situation in your organizations 
of both Pete and Bill, and I'll draw out of them their responses to you. Bill, for Terry and April and the others who say they're ready to take that step, if you had to boil down your advice to one piece of advice to them in that situation, someone who wants to make that shift, Bill, what would that be? My answer would be that switching to solution sales is not in the way of what you're already doing. You know, a new technology, a new service, a new way of solving problems. It, it doesn't compete with what you're already doing. You're, you're, you, you, you don't have to set that aside or, or take time away from the activities that are feeding you. You have something new to talk about now. And, and customers want to hear new things. They're desperate for new things. That person sure. you're selling to wants to go up the ladder and be the one that brought a new idea to his organization. So you've got an opportunity to really change the way you're seen by sharing this new thing that we're investing in. And hey, Mr. Customer, I'm still figuring it out myself, but this looks like a pretty cool solution that might fit your organization based on what I know that you do. Those are not hard conversations. And, and somebody said authentic earlier, and that's what I mean. Be sincere and just share your vulnerability and your excitement about this new service and your sense that it might fit with them. It isn't complicated. I hear Alita here in the chat saying, I'm going to read this off. Legacy reps can carry a large book of quota sometimes. They have a large book of business, so it's hard to get them to change. But they do care, obviously, about their clients. And if you approach it from that perspective, I think it can help them move. April, I see your note here. April saying, I think sometimes we know too much. We train on all of this information and conveying it sometimes makes your buyer nervous so they stop talking that's interesting april tell us more about maybe an example of that where you've noticed that over on linkedin let us know if you have any questions about this particular issue peter i'm going to ask you the same question here let's personalize it to april and terry make them representative of this group here what would be the number one piece of advice that you would give someone who is ready to make that shift? You've got somebody on your team approaches you and says, hey, I'm ready to go. What's that advice, that number one piece of advice you would give him or her? Yeah, that's a great one. And there was actually, I think it was Joe earlier in the questions too, who posted the question about, you know, they're afraid how it's going to fail, right? And so that's a lot of uh, the objections that you get too. I'm, I'm afraid to get into new solutions because if it fails, it might ruin my entire account that I've built over 15, 20 years, right? And so I, I think the number one advice is, is you have to focus on the opportunity and selling the value. And no one, if, if you don't do it, there are other competitors out there who are going to bring solutions to the table. And I think that resonated with me years ago and that, you, you know, when I was younger earlier in my career, I, you kind of felt like, well, geez, you, you almost got scared when you heard those words, because you're saying, you know, I have this $3 million account that I have built over time. And, and, and at, in those days, it was the BPOs that were coming out really strong, right? And they say, if you're not going to offer, you know, management services and more collaborative, you know, services that your organization can do from at an enterprise level, somebody else will. And that really shifted for me. And I know that, you know, you don't want to sell, you don't want to lead by fear, but it is certainly... Right something that you know you have to address out there that somebody else is going to really offer those solutions so i think for sure that you got to be forward with it i mean i see the comments here as they're coming in on the site really great interaction with, with the teams here but i, I think you just got to overcome that i mean it's the only yeah. way to do it and like bill said earlier you got to be authentic you got to be real 
and, and people will love to tell you and, and talk about their challenges and their own fears and, and what their pain points are if you really let them. I'm going to go into uh, some of the questions now that were submitted in advance of the session and touch on each of those as many as I can here. But I want to read something that Ellie just sent here into the chat. Ellie says, I find that our reps have a hard time balancing selling solutions when they're trying to stay on top of the day-to-day -day and the conventional orders that they're juggling. Pete, I'm going to ask you this question. If you were in her shoes coaching her or her team, she's saying, I would love suggestions for how to help them balance long-term business development activities with short-term current work. So Peter, let's go you first and then Bill. Got it. Actually, I'm, I'm a huge believer in, in segmenting your client base and your prospects, right? I, I cut my teeth. You know, I came from business management in school and actually had a minor in professional selling, which was kind of new to our school university at that time. There was a huge focus on managing your list and your sales funnel and cycle. And I think that's something in our printing industry where with a lot of sales legacy sales reps is one of the most overlooked pieces, right? Because you just get so busy managing and being a solution provider and getting involved in production issues, et cetera, et cetera, right? That I think the number one is to really segment and categorize and, and have a good A, B, and C definition of who your prospects are. And I find that sometimes we drill it down to the simplest little advice. So we talked about trying to get walk away with some nuggets here. A lot of my sales teams, you know, as simple as it is, is making appointments in your own calendar or prospecting to your A, B, or C calendars and put them in their, in your calendar saying, these two hours every Tuesday, et cetera, oh. et cetera, I'm going to prospect to all my A leads and B leads and C leads or whatever it is. And then consult with your leadership and with your teams in a collaborative effort where you kind of know that you can't all call on Fortune 100 companies. You're going to have a long sales cycles with all of those. So you got to have a little mixture of everything in there. And then once you hit lightning in the bottom, you become effective. You know, it, you, you really can find out where your niche is. And Pete, how do you define, I'm not asking you to go into the nitty gritty details, but just at a high level, how are you categorizing A, Bs, and Cs roughly? I like to do it by impact on your own revenue stream. Where are, where are your growth accounts going to go? I like to look at it very, very much like you would do with your personal investment bank, right? Is that you got to have a little bit of both. You got to have some growth, some value, some acquisition. So you really need to make sure that, that you are spread out evenly across. Because as we saw with the pandemic, you know, the reps that had a lot of things in one basket really suffered. You know, there's some uh, like legacy reps here that had 95% of their business in travel and entertainment. And for two years, they had zero business and got themselves in some real deep holes, right? So I like to do it yep. that way. Got it. Got it. Bill, what would you say to Ellie's question? How do you balance long-term business development activities with the short-term hustle and bustle of the day-to-day -day work? Well, I, I, it's hard, but I think there are subsets of that. I think there are things in managing your day-to-day -day work that can be offloaded. And I think it's a company's responsibility to say, hey, do I want Bill Gillespie sitting in front of customers or do I want Bill Gillespie managing jobs in the plant? And I, and I, and I, I think that company, uh, I was fortunate to work with employers that figured out my value was in front of customers. It wasn't telling some pressman how to print something. So anyway, mm -hmm. there were there were changes that were made that helped me see where my where I could make the most money and 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 the company could make the most money. 
I agree with what Pete says. I, I mean, I think no matter how busy you are, you have to find time to do some development. You have to find time to sharpen the saw and to say, oh, okay, I've got, I'm, I'm doing business with Coca-Cola and they are owning me all day, every day. But somehow I've got to find time to develop Microsoft. I've got to find some time to develop this mix of work. As, as Pete referred to a while ago, that, that, that if, if you've got all your eggs in one segment or one sector, you're very vulnerable and, and you can be surprised when things come along and rock your world like COVID did. So yep. uh, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit there and I don't mean to, but the, you, you, you just have to be disciplined. You just have to say, yeah. I'm committing a certain amount of my time to, 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 to my education so that I stay relevant for the balance of my career and not just the next six months. Peter, question here from Dean, specifically for you and your situation. Peter, did you know from the start that some of your reps would not fit the solution sales approach? Good question. Did any of them come around and start selling the approach once they saw the other reps starting to have success? Yes, I saw I saw that response that I was hoping you'd pick up on that one. That, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a great one. And uh, yes, I, I could identify already probably four or five reps that I know, man, I've got my work cut out for me to try to get them on board with this. These are, you know, as, as one little example, it's a guy that has uh, sold almost entirely automotive car books his entire career and has made an amazing living doing that and is, is probably one of the most better champions in our industry doing it. And, but he's also very much, you know, who moved my cheese type of guy, right? I, I, he doesn't like change. And, but it came around, you know, it, it's one of the, the answer is, is that once you start seeing the success that other people have it, and I, I bring back the word collaboration, which is what the, the concierge team and training solution at MyFire brings to the table, really gets kind of that huddle mentality where everyone, wait, what's happening over here? There's a good buzz. What's, what's yeah. the, how did David close this opportunity? Wow, that's a half a million dollar job when he was only getting $50,000 jobs off of those guys for years. What happened? What changed? So if you kind yeah. of build that culture through collaboration, really good things can happen. Adam's got an interesting question here. I'll go for both of you here, Pete and, and Bill. Adam's saying, I'm curious, what is the normal, in quotes, ratio of salespeople to total headcount? So we'll go for you, Peter, first at ACG. Just roughly, what's the ratio there? To the employee headcount? The total Yeah, employee. total headcount, yeah. So the 51 uh, to how many total yeah, employees? Uh, I think we are just under 700 employees now. Okay, so the what is that? Somebody can do the ratio. One to 13 maybe for me, somewhere around there. Maybe someone do the math. What about you, Bill? What have you seen as the ratio of salespeople to total headcount? Well, it's, it's, been, it's been very different depending on the employer I was with, Round, which was a point of purchase company. Uh, we, we had 700 plus employees and we had 17 in sales. That, that was our, our total headcount and it was 17 in sales. But the, but the orders are bigger. You're, every, every project was millions of dollars for, for that yep. place. If I think about commercial printing in a vacuum, just commercial printing, 80 employees, 11 sales reps is a, is a, is a, is, is a, my most recent employer. Okay. Okay. 11, so 11 Adam, hopefully that, employees. hopefully, yeah, hopefully that insight helps you there, Adam. He's got a second part to his question. Pete, for what, from your experience there at ACG, who are the most important team members that support the development and implementation of new solu solutions that your reps sell? So 
as you look at your org, who are the most important people that are supporting that initiative? Me, myself, and I, maybe. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, it has to start somewhere, right? And I think that, that's a good question. I mean, it's a loaded question, obviously. You know, we believe in team and the team value of selling. You know, I empower our sales teams here with a really robust customer service and production planning department sales support, or whether you call them sales assistants or inside sales, I think they're all integral into the success of the general sales rep. But I do think that, you know, more so what contributes to the success is, is not only me helping, but it's also really our partners, you know, and again, I'll come back to, to your team, David, and everyone, and, you know, so supportive and, and Bill, you know, fantastic, you know, so many reps. And, and I'm actually really, so pleasantly surprised because I feel like with Bill, I've found a little sidekick that I've, I haven't had for the last 10 years. And it's so great. Like even in the short amount of time, Bill, I think you probably met almost a dozen of my team already. And, and I think that's the sort of collaboration that, that really is there and just feed off it. I mean, just as a little example, you can, you know, you guys all went to D scoop and I couldn't go this time. And, and it, Bill sent me his presentation that he put on there. I mean, I can't even tell you, how many times, Bill, just in the last few weeks that I have used little anecdotes and examples that you shared there. So collaboration is key. That really is how we got to where we are. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Bill, you're getting some more love here in the chat from Bob saying, I love your Christmas story lamp there. I guess it's over your left shoulder, I think, right? <laughs> the little details certainly matter. It's, it's, uh, my- it's, it's an old man's office. It's fun. <laughs> you got Spencer somewhere around there? Maybe you he's, can bust him right out here in a few minutes. He's, he's, he's behind you. you. Oh, there he is. Yep, there he is. The legacy sales rep. <laughs> Tyler, I was hoping that you would be selfish, my friend, and ask your questions. Please don't hold back. Tyler and everyone else, now is the time to be selfish and ask the questions that matter to you. Uh, Tyler is saying, I'll go Bill and then Pete here. So, Bill, first to you. What kind of value do you put on cold calling for new outside reps who have sold marketing before, but not direct mail or print. So I think if I can contextualize here, Tyler is in a situation where he's just starting to learn how to sell direct mail. And so he's wondering how much emphasis do you put on cold calling? Bill, let's go to you first on that. Well, I, I, I believe in it. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's one of the most critical things you could do. I, th- I think that, that you owe it to yourself to get in touch with the kinds of people you want to do business with. Because if you don't like an industry or you don't like a, a client style type, you're not going to be very successful at it. You're not going to enjoy it. So you, you need to identify the kinds of pockets you wanted to do business with. For me, in the beginning, it was ad agencies. And then you need to research, find people in that space and, and make it systematic that you're reaching out to that audience regularly to, to earn appointments. And, and, and now you have social media, you have a lot of tools available to you that yes. didn't exist when I started. So there are lots of ways you can get your name in front of somebody that you haven't met as you uh, ask for appointments. Pete, what about you? What value do you put on cold calls for newer reps? I think it's huge. I I'm a big believer in this and I have a whole kind of, uh, you know, protocol that I like to kind of run out that we go too long for this call here, but some tidbits out of it, you know, it's essentially this, I mean, call it cold calling, warm calling, you categorize it, which, which way you want. Right. But it's one of those where 
I think it's super important because you only have a finite amount of time as a sales rep, right? You call it a 10, 12 hour a day and you got to make the most calls. We all know how many times sales reps give up because, oh, I called them twice and I never heard back. So now they're off the list. You know, I think that many times I think it's important to do your research, you know, where you're going and actual true cold call where you haven't done anything. The, the probability ratio is so low on those, right? That if you do your research, and I also think that you got to look at what level to dive into. I think, you know, with with you, Tyler, if, if you're looking at diving into just starting, there's a different person that you might want to connect with if it's a small kind of regional dental office that might be interested in doing burial printing for the regional local market versus the Fortune 500, or if you're going to say, really call on the Capital Ones or, or the Amexes of the world. So you got to look at where does it make sense to call on the C-suite levels? Where does it make sense to call on the marketing managers? That's right. Where do you want to dive out? So I think that will help you sift through a lot of wasted time if you go after at the right level. And that's where, you know, folks like myself and Bill and Dave and his team, that's where we can help you with a lot of that stuff. So we are here to help. Tyler, let me know if that helped you. Thank you, Pete and Bill. I'm going to read something Terry just put in here. Terry saying, we have found by having lunch and learns and after our events, the customers and prospects into our facility that it's opened eyes, opened the eyes of our sales force. The excitement from our customers has fueled the sales team to be more open to selling new things. For example, we had a sales rep who didn't want to invite anyone to a large format lunch and learn, ended up sending the invite. The customer came, saw things that she did not know that we did and has now had us install large format in their building. She even called a couple of weeks ago to see when we were going to have another event, which just show happens to be next week. So Terry, thank you for that. And in fact, that underscores something that we have found very important with our partners, which is that as you think about the roadmap to launching uh, your new omni-channel direct mail solutions, whatever kind of solution it is you're selling around mail, you remember that flow chart or that, that diagram I showed you, one of the important milestones on there is a lunch and learn event or some sort of webinar or event that brings attention to the new service offering that you're providing your clients because for exactly the reason Terry stated, it drives not only awareness for your customers and prospects, but also for your internal team. Thank you, Terry, for sharing that. George is asking, I'll go for, to you, Pete, here first. In your experience, what is the best target for this offer, offering? So let's, let's narrow that into omni-channel direct mail specifically. So Pete, in your experience, what seems to be the best target? Yeah, that's a really good, broad question. I, 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 you know, I use with my sales team, we use a service that's called Who's Mailing What? They're a competitive scan. There are several others that are in the industry that are really good solutions and good sales tools, right? And so you want to research what industries you want to go after. There are some certainly that are ahead of the curve that are going to be having a bigger thirst and appetite for, you know, variable data printing and the solutions in the Omni spaces and, and, and others that maybe aren't as far along. Generally, what I like to teach the team is think of the end users who are good with collecting and fostering their data. Those are the people that are going to be further along. So the obvious ones are, you know, casinos and in in the entertainment industry, they're good at collecting, you know, financial, fintechs, banking, insurance, regulatory, healthcare. Those are rambling off some few that are that are ahead, further ahead of the curve 
than say maybe some of the some of the other industry segments that you might be going after. So I think if, I'm not sure if that's exactly hit on where the question was founded on, but I think so. I think that's important yeah. is it, to really look at where is that industry segment in and as far as collecting data on its customers, how well do they understand it, and what can we do it? Because at the end of the day, that's kind of what we do, you know, with with the omnichannel marketing solutions, right? We're trying to figure out who can learn from their data and who can increase their ROAs and convert more people to customers by using that and leveraging that data. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head there for George. George, if you have follow-ups, please let us know on that. I'm going to read this next question from Jill here. Jill is saying the sales process is a long conversion for solutions. How do we keep our reps motivated to provide continuous education to our customers? How do you help them keep the conversation going. Bill, let's go to you first and then I'll go over to Peter on the same. Well, the, the first thing you, I think you have to do as a sales leader is, is help the salesperson understand that their measurables are gonna be different with solution selling. That, that, that you, it's, it's the, the meeting or the event or the piece of collateral or whatever, did it move the needle? Did we improve where we are? Are we closer to an order today than we were before today? And, and, and it's not necessarily a purchase order. You support that, in my opinion, and, and somebody mentioned this in one of the chats or what. You support those things with events. That's that's been some of my experience. Is is that you 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 do things that create additional enthusiasm, and and uh. then the reps stay enthusiastic. I, I mean, reps even even if they haven't written an order, if their customers excited, they're excited. It, does that does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah, absolutely. So. Let us know there, Jill, if that helps. I'll ask Pete the same question so you can hear his view. So, Pete, generally speaking, if we assume that a solution sale is going to have a, a longer conversion cycle, how do you keep the reps motivated to continually communicate and educate customers to keep that conversation moving? Yeah, you know, I'll take a little different angle on, on that approach to just to hear, to hear a different side of it. Good. I don't think necessarily, Dave, that that the conversion cycle is longer with this kind of solution selling. I, I think like some of the, the example Bill brought up, for example, was it was a great one with going in on that $20,000 opportunity. I think they can come and close pretty, pretty quickly. As far as motivation goes, you know, what, what we adopted here is during the pandemic, you know, we, we came on board, we had a merger, the Advantage merged with Color Graphics. Advantage acquired Color Graphics from the former owners from the public company. And so that happened right before the pandemic started, right? So I was challenged with merging some sales teams together and really try to create a culture when we weren't all together. So I started a, a Zoom kind of call that was every Tuesday and Thursday in the afternoons that, that we kind of kept going and that merged with our, our, our teams and got everyone to know each other. Long story short, we still have the Tuesday afternoon calls. And so I have probably, they're not mandatory unless I make them, which I will do on occasion. I think, you know, but we, we have anywhere from 25 to 35 individuals on average on every Tuesday at two. And sometimes those meetings are 20 minutes long with a quick success story or a case story. And, and sometimes they go an hour and a half if you bring in some presenters or visitors. And I, I will say, Dave and, and everyone on the call too, that it's infectious once you see success, you know, success yeah. breeds success. And once you start yeah. hearing these things and you hear the excitement of, of a rep who hadn't sold an omni-channel solution, 
and finally gets there first. Oh my God, you're not going to believe it. I sold the solution with the PQR in it. I can't believe it. And there were cartwheels down the halls there. And it's so exciting <laughs> because, you know, it, it is infectious. So I will say that's yes. the other angle I would have. All right, we're nearing the top of the hour. There are still many, many questions here in the chat. I know some of you probably are have a hard stop at the top of the hour. So I want to make sure you know about an upcoming event, and then I'm going to go right back into your questions. Tyler, I see a great question from you. So on Friday, June 23rd, we're going to continue this type of conversation. We're going to be joined by Frank Aristegui. He's EVP of Sales and Marketing over at American Litho. He's actually here in the chat right now. Ellie, who's over at Allied Printing, sees the CMO over there, and of course me back again to talk about how leading companies are using data-driven marketing. So we're going to foster a conversation there, continuing this kind of dialogue to help you, to help the community really start to understand how progressive organizations are doing this. So if you want to attend, here's what you need to do. Drop your best email there into the chat for us. If there's someone else on your team that you also think should attend, drop their email and name there into the chat as well, and we will make sure that we get you signed up for that event. So drop that here in Zoom, as well as over there in LinkedIn land. Let us know if you would like to attend this event. And if you have to leave, just be advised that we are recording this. We will be sending the recording out to all of you who are here in Zoom. If you're in LinkedIn and you want the recording, please let the team know in LinkedIn that you would like the recording. Drop your email, message us, let us know over there so that we can get you that recording. All right, I'm going to come back now and hit the question that Tyler just dropped in here. Tyler is saying, here's a hypothetical for you, Pete. Let's imagine you have a rep. His name is Tyler, okay? Tyler is saying to you, you've got, he's got 10 qualified prospects. Nine of them are 100,000-piece mailing opportunities, and one of them is a million-piece mailing opportunity. How would you coach someone like Tyler in terms of prioritizing those prospects after they get back from a trade show with that in hand? How would you help Tyler think that through, Pete? Well, geez, that sounds like we're in Vegas at a fantasy football draft with those kind of stats thrown out there. <laughs> that is, you know, look, that's a great question, Tyler. I would say this, if, if you have 10 great leads coming back from a trade show like that, I think you have to go full force on all those 10. I, I don't think that's, a, that's enough to categorize and segment. Those sound like amazing opportunities, but to humor your, your, your kind of sample there, I mean, I, I think, again, it's not necessarily that you want to look at it from a just revenue perspective or number of pieces or how you want to look at the totality of, of what your footprint is going to be in your prospecting. So on these right here, you might find that if it's 100,000 that you know their body or scope of work is 100,000 of these nine, you know, you want to find out, well, how long is it, is it likely to take me to close some of these and then categorize and then, you know, know do your research about them to see, okay, some of them, oh, these guys bid out the 10 different people across the board, you know what I mean? So, so you want to categorize them. I, I, I don't think there's a simple, with the metrics that you laid out, I don't think there's a simple one answer that's going to fit that, but hopefully some of that give you a little bit to run with. Let's go to Coach Bill. Same question. Coach, over to you. So imagine the same question from Tyler is posed to you. He comes back from a trade show. He's got 10 prospects. Nine of them are at the 100,000 piece level. One of them's at a million. How would you help him prioritize? I, I agree with Pete. I don't think one is in the way of the other. I, I, I chase them all. And then I figure out who's wasting my time and who's, who's war. And it's, uh, 
you know, you spend your time where you're you're likely to turn it into revenue the fastest first. And, and if somebody's moving slowly, you're not holding them up by moving slow along with them. You, you, you spend your time where the opportunity is the greatest first. But in a vacuum, just with that those stats, one is not in the way of the other. They would all get touched okay. by me. Tyler, let us know if that was helpful to you. Thank you for being selfish and asking your question. I want the rest of you to do the same. I know we're up against the hour. Let me get a quick thumbs up from both Bill and Pete. Are you okay sticking around a few more minutes to answer a few sure. more questions from the faithful here? Okay, sure. awesome. Thank you both. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So folks, if you have to leave, please let us know in the chat there as you exit both LinkedIn or Zoom. But otherwise, I'm going to hang around a few more minutes, continue to dive into your questions here. But I have a question for all of you who are still here. Please, I want all of you to go to the chat and let us know the one thing that made an impression on you today, that one takeaway, that one aha moment, that new insight, or maybe something that was reinforced in your mind around something you need to do or something you need to do differently. What was that insight for you? I wanna read some of those out here in chat because it's useful to all of you to know what that is. I know some of you have to head out, not a problem. Please take a moment to say thank you there in the chat, but for the rest of you, what was that aha moment? Over on LinkedIn, here in Zoom, Open up the chat. Let us know what that is. I see a lot of you asking to attend the next session. Thank you. Russ, you got it. Scott, no problem. Robbie, happy to, to get you there. Scott, Chris, April, Kathy, awesome, fantastic. We're happy to do that for you folks and love to see everybody here together in about two weeks' time. Joe is asking you a question, Peter. Could you share a deeper dive into what MindFire does for you and your team? Joe and Peter, do you want me to close my ears here as you talk? Go ahead, Peter, share everything. The floor is yours. <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean, that, that's a great question, Joe. And, and, and gosh, where do I start with that? I mean, this call isn't long enough for that, really, it's, as, as they are such a, a staple of, of what contributes to the success of my team. I will say in brief, maybe with the concierge service that MindFire offers. It is truly a, an entire team that works with you and your and your organization. I, I have, out of say, yeah, as of yesterday, 50 reps, right? I would say there are 10 reps that I never thought were gonna be interested in this at the level they are now. So creating that enthusiasm and, and really making it seem so easy, relatively easy to kind of get and find that the, the, the conversations, you know, there are at least five, you know, you got Mackenzie, Lita, Craig, Ferris, you name it. And, and Dave, you yourself, you know, who have been so quick to jump on calls with my team when I can't be there, obviously with 50, I can't be on everyone all the time. And, and it, it's just such a collaboration. So walking through what the opportunities are. And I think one of the coolest things in closing, what I'll say about this, because we can't dive too deep into it, is that Lita would throughout, would resonated with the very first pitch that MindFire had with my team, was that there was a big graph that showed a curve going upwards that said, crawl, walk, run, and fly. And I will say we use that over and over and over. And, and it's it, it, it really works. It, it, it makes the teams feel like, hey, well, I can start with a very simple solution and slowly graduate it and engage the client at the pace that they have their appetite to grow with you in marketing. And I think that is the key. I mean, all those things, whether whether it's the really most complex, you know, 
so omni solutions that are really there. Gosh, we've had some really nice ones, you know, lately that that are really really deep. I mean, the the number of channels we're using in the offering and in the proposition is is almost six or seven deep, right? With with really long, exciting contracts to the simplest of of contracts. So I think that's where they walk with you hand in hand and mind fire, and that's great. Thank you, thank you, Pete, and thank you, Joe for that fantastic question. We appreciate that. George says that what stood out to him are that ev events create enthusiasm. George, I'm glad to hear that was a takeaway for you. Joe says for him, it's all about finding the pain that stood out. Jill says that we need to host more events, whether it is online or in person. Jill, absolutely. Tyler is saying what stood out to him is I need to listen more. Selling is not just telling our solutions. It's creating solutions for clients and their unique problems. Tyler, you and I both know Mike and Ben on your team there. That is what they are incredibly good at. And Tyler, I, I commend you for leaning into that and, and hearing that out of today's material. Bob says, the aha for me when Peter recounted his story about losing a competitive situation by being too cheap. Absolutely. Scott says it's the prospect categor categorization into A, B, and C, long-term versus short. It's something that I innately do at this point in my career, but a great reminder on how to have me coach my younger reps. The bigger thing for them will be to help them identify and then sort and spread their attention when attacking the targets. Great refresher for me and putting that top of mind. Russ says, a couple of nuggets I wrote down. You don't need to be a subject matter expert. And value is more sticky than low price. Thank you, Russ. Joe, the, another industry legend that's here with us, says, great job. Peter, Bill, and Dave, continued success to you all. Joe, same to you. Love you, man. Fantastic. All right, well, I don't want to hold everyone too much longer, but I do want you to be selfish. You have Pete, you have Bill, you have me here. Any other questions? I'm going to look over here to some of the unanswered questions that my team has pasted into a document here for me. Let's see, one of the questions here is, I don't need coaching on how to get through obstacles. From a high level, I need to know what are salespeople doing to separate themselves from other salespeople? So that's a question from Chris. Pete, I'll go to you. How, how do you have your sales reps, what do you have them do to separate themselves from others? Good question. Yeah, I mean, that that's great. I, I think what we, how do you separate, right? I mean. I think, again, it comes to value. It comes to offering something of value, really looking at the targeting the right audience that you're going to go after. I think many times we go after the wrong. I think that resonates maybe a little bit with one of the previous answers. But I think we, we set ourselves aside by, by really asking the right intriguing questions, about really getting after it and, and focusing. And as we, as we have success, we, we are very, very, very intimately involved with case stories and, and success stories. I mean, I think that validates, you know, so much of what we do. And, you know, I was in a presentation at a university with one of my reps yesterday and another story for another time. But it was amazing. The conversation went in an entirely different direction once we showed three case studies that were done on universities, one of which might fire completely white label for us, which was awesome. And, and, and it, it's, it, it, we're going to get a ton of new business from them in the Omni channels that we didn't have before as a result of it. So I think that's how you separate it, to put yourself out there. 
I see a question here from April saying, I, I'm on your website. I see you've implemented many security pro protocols, including SOC 2. We are a cybersecurity company. I would like to hear more about that. So, Pete, I'm going to go back to you here on this. Just from an industry-wide perspective, as you work with large brands and think about ACG, why is something like SOC 2 important to doing business today? It's huge. It really was huge for us. Just to put a little context to it, when when we were, and I came from the, the color graphics side of our brand, and, and we were a high trust in those is what we used in many, many facilities across. And when Advantage purchased us in 2019 and we became Advantage Color Graphics, it was clear that we needed a solution that was going to be an umbrella solution. You know, a lot of pretty much every large organization, certainly in the fintechs, you know, they're going to require that your SOC 2 type 2 to, to be able to gain access to be a certified vendor. And so for us, it was imperative. But I think one of the really cool nuances of, of going through that process in our facilities in 2019 was that it brought so much ancillary protocol and practice to our organization that we didn't have before. So mm. it's just like your 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 data data hygiene in general, and I mean our IT department now is probably three times the size that it was in 2019, but for good reason. So a lot of good practices came out of that, and you know it, it it's something that major you know DM campaign owners are gonna want you to have. They're gonna they're gonna look for high trust or SOC two type two. They're gonna want to know that their data is secure when they come to you. And and so many presentations, it's really one of the things we put first and foremost on our desk. Absolutely. Thank you for that answer, April. Let us know if that answered your question. Chris is saying thank you to you, Peter. I also use authenticity, knowledge of their business, and proof that I understand their pain points. So many salespeople don't do that. Chris, completely agreed. Bob says, I'm past my hard stop. Great discussion. Thanks for inviting me. Bob, thank you for being here. I know that we're going a few minutes past. I appreciate you st sticking around as well as the panel. Tyler, you got to go. Thank you. Hopefully, we'll see you all at the next event. Tyler, hope to see you there. Fantastic. Well, I see a bunch of you still here. Adam, Amanda, April, Brett, George, a couple Georges. Joe's here. Mike, Terry is here. Sean, Todd. If I just named you, there are many others in the room as well. But if I named you, if you've got any other questions, I'm going to pause for just a few moments here and make sure that we get your last burning questions answered. Did you appreciate? Did you find value? Did you get something impactful out of this session? If so, please give some love there in the chat, either on LinkedIn or here in Zoom, to Peter and to Bill. Let them know how appreciative you are. Todd says, really well executed webinar. Thank you, Todd. Adam says, thank you all for your time. Best of luck to everyone out there making sales happen. Absolutely, Adam, that's what it's all about. Terry says, awesome session. If you've got ideas for other sessions, if you've got requests, if you have insight that you want to provide to us here at the Mindfire team as we continue to lean into you, the community, we're, we're all ears. We always want to hear your feedback and we invest heavily in making these events happen for you. Bill, I'm going to go get a final word from you. Give us some closing thoughts based on what you've heard from everyone today. Give us some closing thoughts that you think are going to be impactful and then I'll go to the same with you, Pete. Go ahead, Bill. Well, I... I if you were here, you're already thinking more advanced than a lot of your competition. If you if you invested this hour, you're you're demonstrating that you're you're thinking at an at an elevated sticky level, and that's a great thing. Embrace it. Don't be don't fear it. Teach teach your reps. 
You don't have to be the expert. In this case, where we're talking about omni-channel, MindFire will be the expert for you. Take them with you. Take us with you. Make the sales. Change your life. Yeah, I love it. Brett says, thank you. This was great. April says, thank you so much for your time. My team and I could benefit from a one-on-one -on -one training session. You know, I'm remiss. I didn't mention this. Mike Chercuzio here in Zoom just dropped in a link. If you have follow-up conversation, if you want to talk more about the Concierge Partner Program, if you want more one-on-one -on -one consultation, go to that form after this session is over. Fill that in, and we will get back to you ASAP. So, April, look at that link that Mike just dropped there into the chat. Thank you, Mike, for doing that. George says, thank you, Dave. Bill and Peter, you're welcome. George says, great information from both guests. Change is hard, but with the right partners, it works. Absolutely. Pete, based on everything you've heard here today, your wise words for the assembled faithful here. Well, yeah, you know, there is, there is no true, like, magic wand that you can wave at solution selling. And I think that maybe is it. With with solutions, solution selling, I mean, it's a process that requires time and practice and kind of continuous learning. But I think it, with, with what you've heard today, it should give you some nuggets on how it could become much easier than you think it is. And I think that is a good takeaway here is that I know somebody resonated with this on the chat a minute ago that you don't have to be a subject matter expert. I think that is probably single-handedly the most exciting thing that my sales team, which is has a fair amount of legacy reps in it itself, that is what really resonated with the team is that you have enough support. And once you get into this, you will learn it quickly. You will realize what the thinking and the asking of the questions will do for you. And certainly your W-2 as a sales rep, right? That That <laughs> is all in there for you to win. Love it. Thank you both for your time. I want to say a personal heartfelt thanks to you, Bill, for leading the effort here at MindFire and investing in coaching our clients. Coach Bill is here for all of you. Peter, I want to thank you for the kind words that you've shared about the MindFire team. There are so many people here that wake up every day and are thinking about how to help folks like you, Peter, and the rest that are here lean into that, grow their W-2s, and provide for their families. Ultimately, like Lita said at the beginning, that is what this is all about. Russ, thank you. Mike says, awesome job. Thank you all for your time. So for me here at MindFire and the assembled folks here on the MindFire team that are in chat as well as in LinkedIn, thank you all for sticking around. We hope that you found today informative. We hope that you found it educational. And perhaps most of all, that you found it inspiring, that it gives you that little push, that little nudge that you need to take that next step forward as an organization, as an executive, as a company owner, or as a salesperson as you continue to move forward in your career. Thank you all for your time today. Look forward to seeing you on the next session. And in the meantime, contact us. You have that link there that Mike threw in. Find us on LinkedIn. You have our emails. Let us know if you have any other follow-up questions, and we appreciate all of you. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. Thank you.